Ladies and gentlemen, this is your places call. All right, everybody, back to one. Stand by lights one and sound one. Camera speeding. Audio speeding. Lights and sound. Go. And action. Hey, everybody, welcome back. You are listening to Pretend Worlds Real People. Woo! We're back. And we're back. This is a podcast about um, two theater film nerds interviewing other theater and film nerds about their careers and life in the theater and film worlds and uh, learning all about their fun stories. And how we would like to have more money at some point. Yeah. And, you know, especially in COVID times and there is no money. Yeah. You know. Just fun. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. So we should probably say who we are. That w- you, you know what? I think that's a great idea. So who are you? <laughs> I'm Stephanie. <laughs> and I'm Tyler. <laughs> and today we're going to talk to one of my good friends and one of my college peers, Leah Watson, uh, who goes by the stage name of Grace Skinner. So we are going to have her fill you in on what she's been doing through COVID and where she wants to go in the next few months in the arts. Woohoo! I'm Let's excited! Woo! Here is Leah Watson. Welcome to PWRP! <laughs> Thanks Ooh, thank you, show. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, <laughs> that was the most awkward introduction I've ever given anybody. <laughs> um, so, right off the bat, we, uh, inquiring minds want to know, Leah Watson, uh, aka Grace Skinner, what's, what's the switch up there? I mean, I'm used to a lot of my theater uh, friends, actor friends, like will use their middle name as their, you know, or whatever instead to differentiate themselves, you know, in the in the business. But you just yeah. came up with something super cool and <laughs> not even closely related to your it's name. Super <laughs> intriguing. Like, <sighs> how how did yeah. that how did that start? Oh, how did it start? Well, my real name is Leah Watson. And the reason I think why it's such a significant departure from my given name is because the name switch happened in the pole world and not in the theater world. I had wanted a different name from the time that I was a kid. I, my name is fine. There's nothing with my name, but I remember being a kid and pretending my name was Michelle. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. And in college, I remember having a conversation with one of my advisors about the name that you go by because it is a, it's a significant choice. It's your professional. Yeah, absolutely. It's what you're going to be credited as people will see it. Hopefully if you're, if you have success in the film and theater industry. So what does it say about you? And when I was in the poll world, initially I went by L Hawk. Hawks are significant to me. L was something that was suggested to me by the woman who owned the studio I was at. It never quite felt right. And then when I was dinking around with it two or three (laughs) years ago, I I always kept kind of a running list. And Mm -hmm. one day Grace Skinner landed on it. And I played with Skinner Grace and all these different Mm semi-androgynous, sounds like a celebrity child's name. Grace Skinner. Was what landed, and I remember realizing it. And then the first thing you do, of course, is go to make sure that the handle is available on Instagram, and it was. The unusual spelling of the first name really helped, which is from gray. I mean, just the color. Yes, yes. Because everything I do is on grayscale when I film, so that that. seemed to work out. Yeah. 
Oh my God. That's so fun. Okay, so you've said a phrase that Tyler, I only know what you're referring to because of Tyler told me a little bit about you, but I'm sure lots of people, maybe not lots, maybe there are way more people out there who are way more advanced in life than me, but what is this pole world you speak of? Oh, jumping the gun. <laughs> We're getting right to the meat of it. Hey, that's a very interesting thing. I'm sure lots of people have the right idea, but you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Pole dance. Oh, great. Love it. <laughs> So are you, um, were you like a, uh, I just had it and I lost it. Um, like, was that a fitness pole dance group or was, were you, did you work at a club? Great question. I started at a studio in Denver called Tease. Okay. It was a fitness pursuit. I had seen a video on YouTube and was so impressed by what this woman was doing at a competition mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and went in and started taking classes. And so that, that was how I found my way into it was as a curiosity about fitness. Right. But I think certainly there was a curiosity too about the other more exotic side sure. of pole. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, no, I mean, I've definitely heard of it, uh, of being a really great way for, for people to get in shape and oh, whatnot. I mean, it's insane what it's people incredible. can do, but. And um, Todd, the, uh, the homepage of your site, uh, grayskinner.com, if you guys are, you know, mm -hmm. clicking on the link in the show notes, uh, but there's that minute and 30 second video you have on your homepage that mm -hmm. just really shows the art and technique mm -hmm. and the just pure nuance of each performance. So. Like you said, you, you've approached it almost from a fitness perspective, but have you found more of a theatrical freedom from it? Because it just seems like you're bringing, I know you as an actress, you know, so it's, it seems like you're bringing a lot of that to it as well. And it just, I don't know, it looks so enticing and fun. I would never do it because I don't have the upper body strength. For it. <laughs> but, no! Nobody, nobody to see that, darling. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a curse. I... I reject that statement. I would be so excited to have you in class. I think, I think to go to your question though about the integration of the theatrical and the pole. Yeah, hundred percent. Hell yes. The theatrical is all over that because that's my background. Mm -hmm. So I started pole dancing because I was curious about it. And then started to realize that it was a great way for me to channel my theatrical, mm -hmm. creative inclinations. And I didn't have to ask for permission to be there, right? Like I didn't have to audition to be in the right, room. Right. I could just go to class. I could go to an open poll and I could be as creative as I wanted to be in that time. So yeah, absolutely. And do you remember George VK? Yeah. Yeah. So he's the one that filmed those videos. No so way. it was this... Yeah, it was this really wonderful, I mean, 10 years out of college almost, we reconnected and he filmed all of those videos. So it was film school meets pole training meets both of our dance backgrounds, which for me is what is so exciting about creativity when you get to use all of the skills that you have. Yeah. And that was what was created. Um, so what other dance background do you have? Not really very much. Oh, okay. George actually has a background in dance, which okay. I was reminded of when he and I were doing 
little Instagram live streams to talk about how we made the videos. Mm -hmm. I had taken a handful of dance classes as a kid. I was always in theater. Mm -hmm. I went to Denver School of the Arts. So we had we had a certain number of musical theater units where we were being exposed to dance. But aside from a few bar classes, a few hip hop classes, I really came to dancing through pole. And that would have been in my early 20s. That's super cool. And are you competitive now or is it still just for class and your own self? I competed once. I did a pole competition when I was living in LA and the timing of it was really significant as far as having a place to perform this piece that I that I needed to develop and that I needed to share. Mm-hmm. But after that experience with competing, I realized that that was not my mm-hmm. my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy it. There are pole competitions are really people get really excited about pole competitions in the pole world. And I think it is primarily because it's an opportunity to perform. Mm -hmm. There aren't a whole lot of places where pole is performed. Sure. And it's a more specialized circus skill set, but you don't see it, or at least I don't feel like I see it as often as Lyra or Silk. So it's an opportunity to perform, but it's not necessarily what I enjoy doing, which right. is why I started to film stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I freaking love that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And have you, it, like, I know you brought up Silk, but have you dabbled in being an aerialist as well outside of like the pole portion of it and doing, because I've seen those Silk classes too, and they seem just crazy intense and like a lot of fun. Have you tried any of that too? Yeah, I have. So my secondary apparatus, and I only say that because I came to it after pole, Mm -hmm. is low dance trapeze. So it's not the transferring trapeze that you see in the circus five feet off the ground. Okay. Um, Yeah, but I have tried silks. It's extremely hard, very (laughs) difficult. I've tried, I've tried Lyra, which I really enjoy. That's the hoop. Oh, right. And I've tried... Mm-hmm. And I've tried sling, which is one fabric tied up on itself. So it makes a hammock. A oh, okay. Hammock. That's, su- that's super nice. You can sit on that. Yeah, the people yeah. that are great at that are so much fun to watch. I'm not, but <laughs> I've tried those. I've tried those other apparatus and I, I definitely enjoy trapeze mm-hmm. the most huh. and then do you do trapeze by yourself or do you have a partner or something for that yeah i don't do much okay i don't do much duet i'm kind yeah. of like a a tennis aerialist where i i, I but i don't play doubles right <laughs> <laughs> fair fair i like it you're a solo act you know it. what you're doing I'm a, I yeah I'm, i mean i in, i enjoy putting together choreography but i haven't done much with other people and i think it's because in part, Ariel is a is a place for me to just be by myself sure. creating, and I know I know I'll show up. So I have a few people that I enjoy working with because they're extremely reliable, and in other ways they're extraordinary collaborators. But that that circle is pretty small, just because sure. creativity for me oftentimes is my opportunity to be with myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Very cool. And mm-hmm. I had no idea you went to, you said Denver School of the Arts, right? Mm-hmm. I had, I had no clue. Like, wh- where, I want to take it back yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And figure, because I had met you when I was, I think it was 18. And I, we met in- Which class it, did we meet in? I feel like it was stage design, or maybe it was something simpler like TV screenwriting. I can't remember. But it was but at it UCD. Was, yeah, it was at UCD yeah. in a fluorescent-filled room that we all just really loved and enjoyed for 90 minutes a day. Uh, but I, I just wanted to get to know more about where, where you stemmed from, like how your creativity came to be, how musical theater and dance and performance came to like, I want to, I want to just tell, tell us about Grace Skinner. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, the humble beginnings of Grace Skinner slash Leah Watson were <laughs> here in Denver, Colorado. I say here cause we're all here. Um, that's totally fine. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So I, unless you guys don't want people to know where you are. Oh no, we do. We're in Calabasas, New Mexico. We're somewhere in the Western United States. So I was born and raised here and I, the, the quick and dirty version, not so dirty, but just quick was that I had a teacher when I was in elementary school who identified that this was something that I was interested in. She was a music teacher. And my guess is that I was always singing and dancing and was just schmacking all over the place. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of personality. I loved creating stories. Imagination was my jam. And she encouraged my mom to put me in summer camps. So I did Kid Skits, which was a, a company here in Denver that did, they had a kids theater training troupe or they oh, wow. represented kids as huh. agents. I'm not sure, but they did a summer camp as well. And I did that every year. I was awesome. the Dormouse in Alice in Wonderland. I was one of Robin Hood's dudes in Robin Hood. Love I, was, it. I mean, I played everything. Yeah. And by everything, I mean those specific roles. So, <laughs> <laughs> so two, two summers. <laughs> or two summers. Or three. I can't remember. Anyway, so then I, I, in fifth grade, realized that the school that I was at was maybe not the best fit for me. It was a Dutch reform elementary oh. school, which was amazing on the academic side. Right. They had great sports moving into middle school and high school, but I didn't feel like there was a creative outlet maybe. Mm-hmm. And so a couple family friends went to Denver School of the Arts. I went and shadowed, ended up auditioning and was accepted for sixth grade, which now I look back and, and out of hundreds of kids, you always wonder why me? Yeah. It, it felt like a real accomplishment. And I'm so grateful that What's the age the or the grade range for Denver School of the Arts? Six through 12. Six to 12, okay. So you can go all the way through middle school and high school, cool. which is what I ended up doing. Yeah. And at that same time, I was playing soccer competitively. And my sophomore year of high school was when I actually had to make a decision between sports and theater because mm-hmm. running from soccer practice mm-hmm. to rehearsals was crazy. Yeah. And... I decided that I was going to do theater and that's when I, I made a decision, not knowing the decision I was making, but mm-hmm. it opened up a pathway where, or it maybe pivoted my world yep. 
to start creating opportunities for doing this, not just in high school, but college and then later. I think it actually was a pretty significant decision. And so I went to college for a year and a half for performing arts in Cincinnati, but that was too focused. Mm -hmm. Having come out of Denver School of the Arts and going yeah. straight into a conservatory program, I think I felt like I was a theater bot. Mm -hmm. And I actually, this is very dramatic, but I think it also perfectly illustrates the point. I was in my room in Cincinnati and I had been walking home, had this experience where this bus just went flying down the hill next to me. And my brain was like, oh, that would have sucked to get hit by that bus. And I was like, yeah, that would have sucked. And then I was like, I don't know what I'd do if I got hit by a bus. First of all, if you get hit by a bus, that's it. You're, yeah. there's, no, <laughs> there's no plan B. That's just yeah. it. Yeah. But, I, I know. but I'm sitting, I'm sitting in my room that night and I'm thinking, wow, you know, scaling it back. Yeah. Let's say I got hit by a bike and I, and I couldn't act. I don't know what I would do. I have no idea. I've been doing theater since I was a kid. And this is the only trajectory I've seen for myself. Mm -hmm. What do I do? Go through four years of this conservatory program and then move to New York. Mm -hmm. I'm going to like my creativity is going to get suffocated because I don't have a broader frame of reference for right. who I am as a human being. And I went back to Colorado, ended up at UCD and after graduating with a BA instead of a BFA in theater, film, and television production, I was here in Denver for another two years, and then I went to LA for almost four. And that was when I got really serious about Ariel mm -hmm. because I had this experience where I was fortunate enough to be picked up by an agent mm -hmm. in a boutique agency, and I didn't like it at all. She couldn't do anything really? for me. Yeah. I wasn't union. Yeah, uh, okay. But I didn't like being at someone else. I didn't like my schedule being dictated by somebody mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like being told you can get tattoos. You can't, you mm -hmm. need to start thinking about doing this with your hair. Cause you're not booking in the blonde type. You need to be mm -hmm. a brunette. I just realized oh. I'm not about that. Yeah. And so that's when I got into Ariel. Cause I, like I said, I could be in the room right. without needing to audition to be there. I didn't have to pay anybody. I got a work trade. So right, right. I could do that and I could still, I could still dictate what I looked like and how that worked into my schedule. That's awesome. So would you say then that the aerial work you do is, is your primary focus? Like that is still, that is your creativity. Like you're not, you know, pre COVID times, you weren't going out for auditions locally or anything like that in theater or film, you were focusing on dance. Well, theater dropped off pretty quick. Okay. I did a couple of shows when I was in college still mm -hmm. up in Boulder, but the time commitment with theater is so intensive and I realized pretty quickly that that was probably not going to be my medium. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I am with an agency in Denver. I'm with Radical Artists. Oh, nice. Which, Tyler, are you with them? No, I'm with Block. You're with Block, or, okay. Or Maximum now Block. Oh, okay. I can't keep straight who's with who. So, so anyway... <laughs> I know there's so, there actually are which which is really interesting. I, for a small market, it's yeah, it's great to have so many people represented. But anyway, um, I dropped theater pretty quickly, okay. 
because I realized I just didn't have an an interest in sure, it. Sure, sure. There's, there's also, wait, let me stay. I feel like after watching the vice presidential debate the other night, I'm oh, like, no. answer the question that you're asked. <laughs> this is not a debate. You are welcome to go on tangents go and tell off stories. The rails. Do whatever you need. As long as there well, are no we'll flies. Know, but I don't, we'll good. let you know if there's a fly in your head. <laughs> Thank you. I so appreciate that. Um, would you remind me though of the question that you sure, asked? Sure. So I just, I, I was curious if, um, Ariel is like your main, uh, uh, way to produce art or are you doing other things? And I said like film and theater, but, and so theater is Nick's, that's out. Are yeah. Film? Yeah. So, <laughs> so yes. So, so commercial film projects okay. will come up. And when I say that, I mean, actual commercials yeah. up every once in a blue moon. Um, maybe twice a year, something like that will come up okay. um, and other types of projects as well that are, are coming to me through my agent. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that is still a part of my okay. world. All of that is film-based or, or film audio media. It's not going to be live right, right. theater. Um, for me, myself, I think another reason why I enjoy film so much is because a couple things one train of thought just completely derailed in my mind it's <laughs> chaos up there um <laughs> but one you have it forever so once sure. you put in the time to yeah. film it it exists right which sense. i actually really like i also have found for myself that you can capture nuance in a really exciting way mm -hmm. because you can get close you can zoom in on mm -hmm. details mm -hmm. and there's something about that that i really enjoy and then the third thing which i've forgotten shoot you get there. oh, oh go ahead. <laughs> is that it's oftentimes original work i think yeah. that there's a lot of value of course, to stepping in and doing a George Bernard Shaw piece, sure, 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 sure. August Wilson, or doing Shakespeare. But I find that I'm really excited by not only telling stories that are my own, mm -hmm. but then in teaching, encouraging people to tell stories that are theirs. Sure. So there's this whole new, or, or there's a desire, I think, from my end to develop a whole new canon of work. Yeah instead of always stepping into works that have already existed, yeah, been yeah. done. And it's not because you can't do them originally. Of course you can. And the, the ones that continue to come up in the collective consciousness hold importance and people have experiences with them. But I'm really excited by stories that haven't been told yet. Totally. That's great. I mm -hmm. love that. Yeah. Have you taken any any writing up? Are you, uh, oh, I mean, I guess my question was going to be primarily for, for COVID and how that affected not only your, you know, the, like, send, I assume you, you were teaching classes still, right? At a socially mm -hmm. distanced, you know, level, yeah. but what else are you doing, especially now to keep fueling that creativity? I know you're, you're heavily like kinetic in the way you express it, but is there anything else that you love doing to express that level of creativity? Yeah, so I think ideally what I would be doing would involve writing because at early in my 20s, I 
worked on a web series with George and that group from UCD. And that was so fun sitting down, writing, flushing out a story arc. I would be interested in doing that again. I really enjoy short films. Mm. I also really enjoy what you mentioned before, creating videos that are capturing choreography, movement storytelling. Mm -hmm. So I also enjoy stepping in and and acting, realism, Mm -hmm. um, playing a character and bringing that to film. So I do write, but it tends to take me a really long time. And it's not something that I have real discipline around because you do have to sit down and write that shit out. And then you have to go in and edit it. And I'm much better doing that in my body. Mm -hmm. That comes more naturally. So I do have projects that are percolating in the crock pot of my mind. I just got a crock pot recently. (laughs) So I'm pretty excited about it. What what was the first thing you made in that crock pot? Because now we have to know. Well, chili. And to be yes. fair, it wasn't in my crock pot. It was my boyfriend's um, ah. stove. And then we kept it in the crock pot. But we both have one now. So that's something that's going to happen. Are you a crock potter? Uh, both of us. Yes. Well, he's more of an instapotter. I'm an instapotter. I'm a crock potter. I'm horrible at crock pots. What's so the difference? Weird. I don't have the patience. Instapot, like you make a meal in 30 minutes. Crock pot, it, you yeah. know, it's an all day thing. Um, they're, they're both good for different reasons. Um, some of my favorite winter recipes, like I'm a, I'm a winter crock pot girl because I can make soups and chilies and like things that are nice and warm and cozy to eat at the end of the day. Um, I just make quinoa, chicken and bell peppers. Uh, super healthy and not fun at all. Yeah, no. (laughs) Um, we're, now we're off now on the we're totally talking about <laughs> where crock are we pots. going damn it uh, uh, hey uh, listeners if any of you have a favorite crock pot recipe please email it to us at pwrp.pod at gmail because we'll just start doing crock pot shares why not um okay so we were talking about it? what you got it yeah i think okay. so all right <laughs> I, I still lost it <laughs> um I am curious about um, like what are some of the film projects you've done that you've really enjoyed doing um, that's uh, given you a chance to kind of explore something different or is there a specific type of film project that you would really like to do, you know, in your future as a, you know, as you continue to grow as an actor and, and performer and whatnot? Sure. So the first project that came to mind was one that I worked on oh my gosh, maybe two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. a DSA alum who was several years younger than me reached out What's because DSA she- What's DSA stand for? for people oh, who Denver School of the Arts. Thank okay, you. Okay, great. Thanks. So she's a Denver School of the Arts alum who was four or five years younger than me. And she reached out because she was going to be filming a short film that she was writing in Colorado mm-hmm. and had one other alum- already agreeing to be a part and needed a second female actress. And she was writing as we were having these conversations. So I was excited to be a part of a short film. I was excited to be a part of a short film that was being created by someone who I had gone to the same high school with. I was excited to be a part of a short film project because I was creatively starved at that point in time. I just moved back from LA and was rehabbing all these 
aerial injuries that I had. So I was, I was very much out of step with my usual creative channels. Mm -hmm. And the really interesting thing about that project actually was that I felt like it was an opportunity for me to explore not only stepping into a role, memorizing lines, practicing, being on camera, but it was an opportunity for me to start to advocate for myself Mm -hmm. in terms of what I was comfortable with and what I was not on a Mm -hmm. film set. The storyline required that myself and this other female actress kiss and Mm -hmm. the implication that we then were were intimate, meaning Mm -hmm. we had sex, right? (laughs) Scandalous. I know. I kept speaking in politically correct euphemisms and realized I should just say, right, me and this other actress, (laughs) we're gonna, we were gonna, we were gonna end up kissing. And then there was the, in terms of the way that the story worked out, we were in bed together the next morning, right? Right. And I had never kissed a woman before. Mm -hmm. There was also in the script, um, this character smoked weed. This character was drinking whiskey. This character was out snowboarding in the backcountry, And so I was looking through it and I was reading all of these different things that were written in the story. And where before I think I would have, yes, absolutely. Whatever you need me to do. This time I was really, I was wanting answers about how is this going to be done? I don't smoke. You don't want to see me high on your set. That's where you lose me that day. We're not going to get anything done from that point (laughs) on. If we're same thing with alcohol, I don't drink hard liquor. So that's going to end with me. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I'm going to be puking and super drunk. And, and then as far as being intimate with a, Mm -hmm. with a fellow actor, here is where I'm at as a human being. And I need you to be aware of that because in order for that to be as authentic as I'm sure you're wanting it to be, mm-hmm. we need to have some conversations and yeah. some rehearsals mm-hmm. so that she and I are comfortable with each other mm-hmm. or I'm comfortable with her. I don't mm-hmm. know how she feels. And so that was, I think, the most rewarding part of that experience. Yeah. Well, leading up to that experience was having really honest dialogue about yeah, what my great. boundaries were, what her expectations were, and finding a place to to meet in the middle. And then the actual filming process was so much fun. Mm. It felt so satisfying because we were up in the mountains, which I love, mm-hmm. and the the group gelled so well. Nice. He had such a clear vision and all the little hiccups that come up, come up, but we were willing to collaborate and solve the problems as they came up. So. And that's such an important lesson to learn, um, especially for young uh, performers is, is knowing when it's okay to put, pump the brakes a little bit mm-hmm. and before you just, you know, there is this, uh, what I've experienced with especially new people to even the theater world, whatever, is like, I'm gonna do whatever you ask me to do because I don't want you to think I'm a bad person or oh, I, I wanna get another job and yep. blah, 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 blah. And like, you end up doing things that you're really actually not okay with and you don't speak up for yourself. So that's really, really cool that you could do that for yourself. 
Yeah, well, and and it's so interesting in the current climate, mm-hmm. especially after Me Too, because and and this new emphasis on intimacy directors, mm-hmm. and that's a conversation that's happening now. But I remember being in LA. I just moved, so I was twenty five, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I was doing student films at USC and I was cast in one that required me to make out with someone who was significantly older than me. Mm. And I remember, Mm. first of all, it was take after take after take after take. And then it became a thing where there, there were always issues with with focus Mm -hmm. and they were have so take after take and then finally the guy started making these comments about how he didn't mind and i felt so uncomfortable the whole time i had that feeling in my gut that this is not aligned with me i don't feel safe i had a boyfriend at the time that i remember calling and i was telling him what that experience had been like and he asked me well why did you do it and in my mind it was well, I need to do whatever they ask yeah. me to do mm-hmm. because otherwise they're not going to hire me again. Mm-hmm. And so in effect, I was willing to steamroll mm-hmm. myself in order to appeal to hypothetical future employers. Right. It never materialized anyway. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yep. It, it was a really defining moment, I think, yep. even though it took me years after that to understand the implications of that situation. Well, and I'm so lucky mm-hmm. that that was the extent of it. But mm-hmm. it is so true that so often there's this there's this expectation that artists, you just do it. You show up yep. and you do it. You don't feel yep. comfortable, too bad. We'll hire yep. someone else. Yep. And now I think yeah, you will. Yeah, I'm not doing yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Absolutely not. Right. I love that. Yeah. There's a certain standard that's coming up, especially within the arts community, whether it's, you know, us as performers, musicians, you know, uh, tangible creative artists like painters or, or sketch artists, where we're finally putting our foot down saying, fuck it, whatever doesn't come from this, mm-hmm. fine. But I'm not, like you said, putting myself out there, steamrolling myself to let your, you know, small student film go right. to some awards right. festival. And there's even posts on Actors Access now. I, two years ago, half of them required nudity or some form of intimacy. Now it's only the non-union mm-hmm. short form ones that say, hey, we might need you to get mm-hmm. naked for this and no one's signing up for mm-hmm. it. At least no one who who knows, you know, their worth. So it's, it's really great. I hope whoever's listening to this as well acknowledges, you know, if you get that feeling in your gut, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't go through. Or at least ask questions first. Like you, you, yeah. you're allowed to speak up and see if there is a compromise, a, a reasonable compromise situation that keeps you from feeling unsafe. Yeah. But it's still not, gives them the, what they want. It's yeah. not worth the 20 bucks in gas and yeah. a free sandwich to get yeah, you exactly. on set. That's no. not going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it is interesting because I think that there's a fine balance there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have... For example, I know it's out there somewhere. I did a student film when I was in UCD where I got totally naked. I mean, I'm naked as the day that I was born in this student film. Wow. And at the wow. at the time it was made with 
well, not at the time. It was made with people that I really trusted. But yeah, I remember okay. that decision being made yeah. in the moment. And now I know I wouldn't make that decision. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And it was me. I was yeah. the one that suggested it uh-huh. because it felt more authentic to what was going on, which sure. now I look back at and I think that's really intense. It's yeah. really intense. I remember yeah. it surprising the cameraman. So in some ways, <laughs> I was the... I was the one who was making a decision that now I look back uh, at it and I think that didn't need to happen. Right, there was right, no reason right. for that to happen. But in making that decision, now I know. Mm-hmm. However, there's a film with yep. me totally naked and yep. I have to I have to accept that. Yeah. And so when you're making decisions, especially early on, I think that it's really difficult to see through the lens of yourself 10 years down the road. And oh, sometimes the experience of something is necessary in order to reframe your boundaries. Right. But being aware, and, and there were no conversations that I ever remember in high school, college, or outside of college, up until maybe the last five years, that were about what are your boundaries? Mm -hmm, How do you determine what they are? What are you comfortable doing? What are you not? Mm -hmm. What are you willing to show as far as your physical self on film, knowing that that exists forever? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So how do you, and, and when I teach now, especially with high school students at the art school, there's a lot of conversation around consent. And what's Mm -hmm. really fascinating to me and I remember this is that, especially as a young performer, the director's word goes and the yeah. director coming mm. up and putting their shoulders on you and moving you to yeah, a place yeah, on stage, yeah, yeah. there's no conversation about, may I touch you? Yeah. And introducing this idea to kids about if someone puts their hands mm. on you and you don't feel comfortable with it, say no. Yeah. Or if they ask you to do anything yeah. and you don't feel like that's safe for you, that that's Mm -hmm. respectful of your body, that that's in line with your boundaries, say no. Mm -hmm. And seeing them suddenly start to have this realization that they can say no. Right. And actually having them try it on, say no. Mm -hmm. Say no, I don't want to do that. No, I Mm -hmm. don't want you to touch me. No, the next time Mm -hmm. that you need me to move somewhere on stage, tell me, don't Mm -hmm. put your hands on me. Mm -hmm. No, I don't want to kiss my fellow actor. I don't mm-hmm. feel comfortable with that because as a 15 year old kid, maybe I haven't kissed someone in my own life. Right. Yet. Yep. You know, yep. and that's not something that I ever remember being told I could do. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Would you say you're, you're bringing a lot of that uh, directive into the classes you're teaching, even for, you know, the, the poll sessions as well, really, giving, I, I, I mean, I, I assume you'd be giving somebody more of an empowering uh, stance, you know, with either moving kinetically or when it goes back to teaching somebody at the art school, like, do you feel like you're embracing that new side you had learned as you're growing up and instilling it into each client you have to kind of remind them that you are, you know? <laughs> <laughs> God, I hope so. Yeah, I, mean, I hope so. Yeah. It, it only makes like, just just knowing you. It only makes sense that you wouldn't do it in a straight direction, but it would come across in your teaching somehow. That that person is in charge of what they are doing, and they. Have- I really hope so because I yeah. I think more than anything, what I have 
I, I really hope so. I, I am aware that there are times where I mess up too. I don't do a good job getting explicit consent mm -hmm. to, to come into someone's personal bubble, mm -hmm. to reach out and, and touch their hands, to I can always work on that better. I think the underlying theme there is not assuming that someone else is comfortable with me doing that. Right, right. But I think even beyond that, what's been so instrumental to me, especially with poll, is this realization that in an ideal world, which let's say we're always we're always striving for that. Mm -hmm whether we reach it, who knows? Mm -hmm. We're human, so it's messy. Mm -hmm. I, I have been given my body back. There were so many things. So that agent, for example, hey, you need to be a brunette. Mm -hmm. Hey, don't get yeah. tattoos. Hey, you need to make sure you're always 115 mm -hmm. as far as how much you weigh. And she's, you know, it's, yeah. and, and she didn't, she didn't explicitly say yeah. that, but there's this understanding that if you get a headshot, you better F and look like look the like headshot, it, yeah. right? <laughs> of course. Forever and always mm -hmm. until you get a new headshot. So um, I had realized that there were, there were expectations I placed on myself based on family, based on culture. I got tattoos, when, my first tattoo when I was 25, and it was agonizing because yeah. I remember thinking tattoos are a big no-no in my family. Mm -hmm. What is my dad going to say? What's my mm -hmm. grandfather going to say? And then realizing, oh, wait, you're the one that decides what goes on right. your body, right. right? And so I think when I teach, I really, I really aim to encourage people to, one, be in their body, meaning mm -hmm. the body that you have, right? It, you can always move towards, if you're like, oh, I want to be more flexible, you know, right, oh, right. I want to have more upper body strength. Oh, I want to have more flexibility yep. here. Did I already say flexibility? No. I think I did. Okay. You, did. Did. That, you okay. did, but the way you said it, it seemed like it was a different word. Right. Yes, so, exactly. We're coming with it. it <laughs> this is the Independence Day speech <laughs> that we've been waiting for. So we're just going to roll with it. Okay, so imagine fireworks going off behind yes. me and I'm wearing a big top hat like Abe Lincoln. Perfect. So, and there may be, you know, a down spaceship because we just killed the aliens. Yes. It's like strict independence day. Yeah, okay. So I think that it's so important for you to be in the body that you actually have. Mm -hmm. And in investigating something like pole and starting to develop a skill set, you start to understand what your body can do. Mm -hmm. And for me, that gave me an appreciation of my body. Mm -hmm. So I started to be less shitty to it. I started to really understand the work that it was doing all the time to just keep me alive, like baseline right, breathing, right, all right. of the totally. stuff that's happening in your brain. And at that point with an appreciation of your body and maybe being less shitty to it, I started to develop this, this gratitude and this respect. And I started to be less afraid to be how I am and take up space as I am. And at that point, then I started to notice when my boundaries were being crossed, mm -hmm. I couldn't ignore it anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I had to start to figure out, well, okay, if someone is like trampling 
Lion King style all over your boundaries. When I say that, I mean like the stampede, yes. right? Yeah. They're just yeah. like <laughs> running you down. You're Mufasa. <laughs> They're just trampling away, right? Yes. What am I going to do? Yeah. And then at that point, you have this awareness ooh, I don't feel comfortable with that. Whether it's with a romantic partner, uh, an audition that you're walking into, an interaction that you have with a friend or a stranger, whatever it is. Then I had to start developing this skill set for, okay, when I recognize that this is happening, what do I say? Mm-hmm. Because, or do, because then at that point, it started to become unbearable when I recognized that my boundaries were getting trampled and I wasn't doing anything about it. And you, you have no control over what someone's going to do, right. which is the scary thing, right. whether that's a physical assault, you saying no, and mm-hmm. someone doing it anyway, especially yeah. for a small woman. That's something that I think about all the time. Or if it's um, an interaction that you have in public, someone says something to you and you say something back and then they just like shit on your soul mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. You, you have no control. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's the empowerment part is in saying it anyway. Yes. And I think, um, you know, you talking about your tattoos and, and being worried about what your dad and grandpa would say, you know, is resonates with me a lot because I got my first tattoo when I was 26, 27. Um, and I had was visiting my brother and sister-in-law in Texas and my sister-in-law's covered in them, whatever. Um, and so she took me and, and I, uh, got it on my ribs because it was like where I wanted it, not because I wanted to hide it. Um, but I knew I was like, I can never tell my parents about this. They hate tattoos. And it, it now I'm 32 now. And it was this summer that I went home and I visited and we were at the beach with my nieces and nephews and my parents and whatever. And I was like walking away and my bathing suit revealed a part of it. And my dad was like, hey, what's that? And I was like, oh no, I knew this was coming one day. And I was like, oh, it's my tattoo. And he's like, how long have you had it? And I was like, like five-ish years. <laughs> and he was like, well, let me see it. And he was so chill about it. And it like, wasn't a big deal. And so I also think that there's this element of the more we empower ourselves and are okay with us, it's also then showing the people around us that that's an okay thing or teaches them to respect it. You know what I mean? Like there are the negative consequences, like you were saying, but I think there's also like, we have to give people the benefit of the doubt that they're also willing to adapt and grow and Mm -hmm. change and be more accepting of those kinds of stuff. So, uh, but you have to be willing to do it. You have to be okay. So I think that's, that's really awesome. Well, and, and I think the critical thing about it, just tying back to creativity and a let's say a well-lived life is that when you start to do exactly what you're talking about, stepping into and empowering your, your most authentic self. And Mm -hmm. I say authentic, and then I want to immediately swallow soap because that word gets <laughs> I just like want to spit it at yeah. that because yeah. it's true so authentic woke like all yeah. these things no, but true. yeah but let's say you're like who you were when you were four years old mm-hmm. before yeah. you had an understanding that like you getting so excited about a swing set and sticking your tongue out was mm-hmm. like maybe not the most socially acceptable response right um is that one a personal example is that I, like my current boyfriend, he never would have arrived if I was not aiming or Mm -hmm. just like really trying to 
strip away all the bullshit Mm -hmm. that I told myself I needed to do or be. And what I mean by that is like, I can be very social and then I'm really antisocial. Like I need to be, we're on a group camping trip and I had had way too much social exposure and sun exposure. And I needed to literally lay in the tent and Mm -hmm. stare at the mountain Mm -hmm. for the rest of the night. That was six or seven hours of mountain staring Mm -hmm. that happened. And he was, he was so okay with it. He would come and check in with me and make sure that I had water and, um, and I was getting like kind of sick at the time too. So he was taking care of all of that as well, but he was okay with that. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't pretending that I could be social because yes. I couldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then creatively, the projects that that I as a as a soul in this meat sack of mine needed mm-hmm. to be making on this planet, <laughs> they started to actually come into the world because I wasn't pretending that I wanted to be doing projects that I didn't want to be doing. Right, right. That I wasn't passionate about, that I didn't have the skill set for. I don't feel comfortable being butt naked and making out with a tree. Mm-hmm. So no, sorry. Like that's mm-hmm. not the project for me. And the projects that actually mean something to me are now the ones that I'm working on, yeah. but it's because I started to identify mm-hmm. who I, ac- who I actually was as a person, <laughs> which is sometimes yeah. fantastic. And yeah. sometimes I'm a shithead. Yeah. Yeah. I'm human. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it, God, it's like stripping off varnish and just realizing, yeah. you know, I, I am still, you know, this piece of wood right. just mm-hmm. for flaws and beauty, everything. Right, like right. this is me. And then, right. wow, that is, I love hearing that. Yeah, me too. It's, honestly, how many times do you hear somebody in a given conversation admit like, I will be my true self. I don't care mm-hmm. what this person thinks. I don't care what they mm-hmm. think. Or like you said, I won't do this project because I just don't feel that's not me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think you even helped a lot of listeners just by saying that if they're going into any career mm-hmm. field. Mm-hmm. Well, know? and I think it is really important to say this, that I still will commit to things that I shouldn't. Sure. Mm-hmm. But now yeah. I understand exactly what that feeling is. I, and to be perfectly honest, I, I think it is important to say that this will cycle. You'll become perhaps aware of it. And yeah. then you'll think, oh, I got it. I won't do that again. Yeah, and then yeah. you get a year and a half farther down the line. And all of a sudden you're involved in a project and you're wondering why. And you've realized, oh, yeah. yep. because <laughs> I had that little voice say, not for you. And I decided, shh. It yeah. <laughs> will be, and then it wasn't, you know? Right. So I, you will continue to be involved in, in things and make decisions that you're like, wish I had not done that, mm-hmm. but I did. <laughs> and then you have to acknowledge to yourself like, okay, well, next time let's re-engage and try again. Right, right. Um, I think actually a question that you did ask that we kind of glossed over because we started talking about crockpots was <laughs> essentially um, how has COVID affected your daily life? You know, what it, what was life pre-COVID versus post? Um, how do you feel about the fact that I know at least on the theater side of things, like, you know, we're, we're likely not to come back until the fall. I don't know what what's going on with film, but I know Tyler's been frustrated because a lot of the just the movie theaters are shutting down and whatever so like 
how's that been for you? And what do you do? I'm a stage manager. Okay. <laughs> so clearly another one of our guests that hasn't best. listened to our podcast. I haven't. I'm so sorry. I'm so I'm sorry. I feel so you. embarrassed. Oh, that's don't, don't, don't at all. Don't. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm comfortable with it. It's fine. Yes. No, I'm a, I'm a stage manager, so... You just made my day. I'm so sorry. That's amazing. Yikes. I. <laughs> <laughs> you have been really significantly impacted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was working in live events. Mm-hmm. That was my primary income source. And when mm-hmm. I say live events, corporate conferences and conventions. Oh, okay. And I think you that the. A, a pole dancer or as. Uh, Because I was like, shit, those are some fascinating conventions. No, no, not at all. So I worked as an associate producer, breakout room producer. Yeah. So I was working as a, as a, I was working on the organizational side of those events. And the COVID shift was more dramatic because I'd finally gotten to a place where I was working really Mm -hmm. consistently. And in December, for example, the fall for, uh, of 2019, I was mm-hmm. traveling twice a month. It was wow. really pretty busy. And then the three months before COVID hit, I wasn't working at all, mm. but I've had jobs lined up March, April, and then out right. to the summer. Right. End of February, I got a phone call from the producer that I work with the most saying that this job had been canceled and then my schedule Ugh. cleared they canceled everything. So as far as financial disruption, it's Mm -hmm. been really significant. Mm -hmm. I have been surviving on unemployment. Yeah. Yeah. There now I'm, I'm starting to, I'm starting to develop workshop ideas with poll that are, people are interested in because they're so excited to be back in the studio. Um, And it's, I'm only teaching one other class. So, so that has been pretty amazing just to have people willing to come into space to do that. Mm-hmm. Cause other than that, there's, there's yeah, yeah. not anything in live events. Yeah. What have you been doing to keep yourself busy in the past seven months? Well, yesterday that was fuck all. Cause yeah. I was just walking <laughs> yeah. around my apartment, like, I mean, I'll, I'll send emails and I have an online scheduler, the website that you were mentioning earlier, that was all done in the first two months of COVID Mm -hmm. setting up all that infrastructure. Um, I have been dancing a ton. I early on, you'll see it on my Instagram. If you go Mm -hmm. through, it's like pull video, pull video, pull video, Mm -hmm. my apartment, my apartment, my apartment, (laughs) my apartment, because that's where I could be. And, and I realized, oh, for someone who's always preaching, you can be creative wherever you are. Now you have to be because all I have is a chair in my apartment. I don't have any apparatus. Right. And that was a huge part of it. Um, I mean, honestly, the, the, the trick recently has been figuring out how to navigate days like yesterday because I got what I needed to get done, done. And then I didn't have anything to do until 630. Mm -hmm. And 
laying on the couch listening to NPR mm-hmm. podcasts and mm-hmm. I I was always so busy before. Mm-hmm. So I think the slowdown was in some ways really necessary. Sure. Of course. Um, Absolutely. But I I think just as far as like a complete reevaluation of what I was valuing and prioritizing, mm-hmm. but the fact that that came with the toll that it did, not right. in terms of even financial disruption, but the loss of life mm-hmm. and, and the broad, the broad, immense, horrifying scale of this whole thing mm-hmm. is, yeah. oh man, yeah. it's just such a, it's such a heavy time. Yeah, who would have thought, you know, December 2019, like, ooh, 2020, yeah. this would be, this this would be, be sick. Yeah. No. Fuck. <laughs> I could, I, yeah. and it's insane. I mean, it's, it really is mind blowing yeah. what, what has been experienced in the past six months. I remember, especially in the first two weeks, I was convinced that the, National Guard was going to be on every street mm-hmm, corner mm-hmm. asking you where you're going when you mm-hmm. leave to go to the store mm-hmm. or if you're going out for a walk. And I think that clearly, clearly um, shows the difference between us and China, mm-hmm, which I yeah. didn't totally understand. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they didn't shut down things to the extent you thought, but you couldn't go yeah. anywhere. Yeah. 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 We just stockpiled on toilet paper. And- <laughs> freaked out for a shared quick far too many memes it, it, yeah shared memes were yeah put in this sort of domestic purgatory with their own thoughts mm-hmm. and where um it's always interesting to hear where do you want to go hopefully once i don't want to say this clears up but as things improve mm-hmm. where do you want to take your career where do you picture yourself especially now when we're stuck inside and Mm -hmm. you know there's really not a whole lot to do as far as like live events or uh anything really big as far as performance basis where where do you want to go what do you want to do i had already identified that the live events were really hard Mm -hmm. on me physically because the staying in hotels eating takeout food long hours Mm -hmm. it it wasn't ideal for the type of training that i was doing physically and i'd identified that i wanted to make a transition to making more of my income with the creative Mm -hmm. i thought it was going to be a gradual transition it has not been Mm -hmm. because now it's the only real thing that i have control over as far as building a brand and offering classes and so i've put all of my energy into it. And I, I think ideally my, my dream, my dream dream would be making my income, uh, an income that I can live on comfortably from teaching workshops, both aerial and maybe more creative movement training clients privately. So Mm -hmm. you have a character you want to develop, you have an aerial Mm -hmm. piece you want to build. Let's, talk and develop a plan and then execute it over a period of time. If you are wanting to just be more comfortable in your body, doing private training, group classes, Mm -hmm, group mm -hmm. workshops, doing that. I think that that's what I would like to be doing to 
earn my income. Mm -hmm, And then mm -hmm. I think supplemental to that, working as a creative consultant. So Mm. you have a music video you want to do, you want Mm -hmm. some aerial stuff in it. Here we go. You have even just a desire to have a certain aesthetic within it with moving parts, like let's build that because I have that experience too. I think working like with musical artists, Mm -hmm. I'd be so excited about that mm-hmm. helping them to build those music videos or even like short film music videos i think that would be really fun doing short films submitting them to festivals i i think anything in that world i would yeah. be excited about um do you have like a yeah. dream artist you would want to work with if- mm-hmm. taylor swift hands down <laughs> no questions not Whoa. Yeah, hundred percent. Taylor That's Swift. Amazing. Yeah, I got the dream. I have a dream of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, T Swift, yeah. listening. If you're out there, I better pick her up. Okay, she's got some good we'll, ideas. We'll, we'll tag her in, in the social media. See if she listens. Oh. Perfect. Oh, let's do it. Let's blow up Taylor Swift's Instagram. Page. Love that. Yep. Love that. Yep. Hundred percent. Hands down. We're. Um, it looks like we're unfortunately running low on time, but we always like to ask, is there anything you want to plug? Yes. And promote. I always direct people to my Instagram page. That's the most updated body of work. I will send most of that to my YouTube page, but those are the most consistent running curated, uh, yeah. Body of work that I've, Mm-hmm. got and it will also give information about any workshops i'm teaching cool. it'll also give you an idea when i'm talking about pole and low dance trophies yeah. what that actually looks like yeah. and it will also i think be the plug for anything that's coming out in the future cool. i have some okay. ideas in the next few months but Ooh. that's where all of that will go up so awesome. that and then of course my website graceskinner.com cool yeah. all right well, is there, um, I mean, we kind of spent this whole episode talking about body positivity and, and, you know, and stuff like that, but is there any last minute pieces of advice or um, just thing, something really important to you that you've learned that you'd like to share with listeners? Hmm. That's a really good question. Hmm. That's not Taylor Swift, really. That's not? Oh, that's all I've got. (laughs) Um, No, I think that I, the the thing that came to mind, which is a huge topic, but I really encourage listeners, (laughs) I really encourage myself, so I will send this to listeners, to have a curiosity about who you are, Mm -hmm. actually, Mm -hmm. and I believe that your creative voice, and when I say that, what I mean is you accessing your imagination and then translating it into the real world through your body, whether that's writing or cinematography or singing, or you're an architect and you're designing a new type of building, whatever it is. I think that that flows when you are curious about yourself and you're in communication with yourself cool yeah 
That's a good one. I like that. Wise words. Yeah. All right. Uh, now's the time for us to say thank you. Yes. You've been delightful oh. to talk to. Such a good episode. I think this is probably one of the most eye-opening conversations I've had since before COVID. <laughs> Really? Just, oh, know, just, great. Like a natural conversation, yeah. especially when you brought up like body positivity yeah. and, and just ways of, of getting to know your, your true self. Yeah. It's... Oh, you know what? F my previous advice. <laughs> I, would, I actually think like speaking to that specifically, Yeah. just keep in mind when you're thinking about your body that your heart never stops beating mm -hmm. until you die. Mm -hmm. It's always working to breathe for you. It's digesting food. It's helping you to pick up cups. Mm -hmm. It's listening for cars that are trying to run you over on eighth mm -hmm. Avenue. So just, just keep in mind, like as far as body positivity, taking time to notice what your body does for you, mm -hmm. drinking water or putting soda in your face. Like mm -hmm. it's always swallowing and blinking and hearing and smelling. And when I started to notice what my body was doing for me all the time, it became possible to appreciate it. Right, so right. I think maybe that's what I'd say instead of what I said before. I'm, we're going to keep both of them. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's all gold. Yes. Yeah. Uh, before we give our awkward goodbye that mm -hmm. I hope you will join us in, we'd like to. Uh... Are we gonna sing to each other? <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> we should. We'll come up with a song that promotes us. We should have our own end of end of show. Jingle. Goodbye <laughs> for now. Goodbye for now. <laughs> good, 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 goodbye. No, don't do no. that. <laughs> that's we're keeping that. Can we? Can we TM that? And that's our that's our ending. Great. That yep. seems fair. Backstreet yeah. Boys, don't touch that. <laughs> I appreciate you both having me on. Thank you. This of has been course. so much fun. I learn about the people that I'm sitting down with every time. Yeah. And especially right now, it feels like such a gift to be able to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. They're all over Zoom these days. Yeah. Or, you know, you're yelling at each other in a park. But yeah. um, it, it really is nice. So thank you for having me on. Of course. Oh, thank you. I'm glad we were able to, to schedule and get everything said and yeah. yeah oh my gosh all right um well with that in mind uh thank you listeners for uh sticking around for another episode um make sure that you are following us on social media uh pwrp podcast both on insta and facebook mm -hmm. um make sure you check out show notes um we'll have leah's instagram uh and uh her website on there um and Please like, subscribe, follow us, all of those things on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, <laughs> Stitcher and Spotify have become one. No, but all of those things, um, you can either find uh, access to those via our website or mm -hmm. just search for us on any of those apps. Yeah. Yes. And if you have any questions or if you'd like to be featured on this podcast, please send us an email at pwrp.pod at gmail.com. Or Crock-Pot recipes. Those come, those oh, come yeah. email to us there too. I have a really great one for just carrots. Ew. Uh, <laughs> I got weird looks from both of you. <laughs> and I am so happy I did. So uh, before we conclude this episode, we'd like to give everybody a wonderful, awkward goodbye. I think we're adding a tune to it this time. 
Goodbye. 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 I don't like this.